Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 336, featuring Sophia Bollinger, aka Fia, a virtual YouTuber, Twitch partner, and VR enthusiast. Uh, this is a really exciting show, which was originally recorded in April 7th, so a long time ago, actually. Uh, but we had to delay it because um, we actually had it as an exclusive for FMX. And so uh, now that that time has passed, we can share it with, uh, with everyone else on the podcast. So I figured we would share it with you guys. But what did you think of this podcast, Kristen? Well, this one is super awesome, and you have to watch this one. Don't just listen, um, because you'll get to see uh, she does her Fia avatar, um, and she's only about a year and a half or so into her VR and YouTube experience, and she's just, like, taking it by storm. Um, I think she does this full-time now, but yep. <laughs> on her YouTube show, yeah, she has anywhere from lifestyle and philosophical talks, um, and she streams on Twitch about three times a week. Um, um, she loves virtual fashion, going on virtual dates, um, and just teaching others. Um, but yeah, she actually uh, shows herself and her avatar, so she doesn't actually hide behind it, which she goes into that and also talks about how people express their um, kind of other personality through their av avatars. So it's just a great podcast and fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As, as as you said, she actually appears on the podcast. So if you look at the video form of this podcast, she will appear as her avatar, which is kind of awesome. Uh, her avatar actually looks like her as well, so which is kind of kind of fun as well. But she's, uh, I mean, th there's a lot to be thought about. You know, she really understands the fact that there's going to be a bunch of virtual characters out there or people representing themselves virtually, and she really embraces that. Uh, and this is something you know that when we comes to the metaverse, she's going to be very much ready for it. That's for sure. Uh, really interesting stuff. She's not, I mean, she learned this stuff very quickly, as you mentioned. Uh, and also, you know, she's just got some huge ambitions of where she wants to take this, which she talks about at the end of the podcast. So really definitely check it out. So look at the video form of this and make sure and follow her at all the different places that she's available. So if you want to check it out, uh, check her out on, on YouTube. Her name is Fia, which is P-H-I-A. Uh, her Twitch uh, handle is Fia Bunny. Her Instagram is Fia Bunny. And her Twitter is Fia underscore bunny. So definitely lots of stuff to check out what she does. Uh, but uh, that's, uh, that's so, so it's really cool. So Kristen, we have a couple events going on. Uh, what's going on right now? Yeah, so the, you can find these out at chaos.com slash events. The first one is going to be held on August 5th, and that's the Arculime Academy. So it's going to be Materiality and VRA 5 for SketchUp, uh, and it'll be a webinar. So you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about VRA 5 for SketchUp's uh, virtual textures and advanced me materiality techniques. And then September 9th and 10th, it is our 24 Hours of Chaos. So we'll have 12 back-to-back -back shows with more than 60 hosts and speakers and guests all on a 24-hour live stream. And you can find more about this at chaos.com slash 24 hours. I'll spell it out, 24 and hours. <laughs> the number 24 <laughs> hours. Week, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. perfect. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, Cha 24 Hours of Chaos is coming back this year. Very exciting. We are excited to host uh, the uh, Pacific Standard Time, <laughs> the LA show. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing that, but there's going to be a lot of great shows. So I think there's going to be 12 shows this year, right? Mm -hmm. So. Yep. So pretty cool. Uh, anyway, also uh, in terms of news, uh, Chaos, uh, you can find us out at chaos.com. V-Ray 5 for Revit Update 1 is out. V-Ray 5 uh, Cinema for Cinemas 4D Update 1 is also available. And of course, we mentioned before, V-Ray 5 for Maya and Houdini Update 1s are also available. Uh, okay. If people want to know more about the podcast, Kristen, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash podcast chaos.com slash cg garage or youtube.com slash chaos group tv perfect and if you have other ideas of cool podcasts or you have comments or questions about this podcast or other ones you can always email us labs at chaosgroup.com is our email again that is labs at chaosgroup.com all right that being said please enjoy and hopefully you're watching this amazing podcast with sophia bollinger aka Thea. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. 
Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. So the, the, the first thing I was going to say is like, your audio is better than nearly every other guest <laughs> I've had on this platform. <laughs> That's so great. I love hearing that. Yeah, it's so good. I was like, wow, she sounds like she's in a professional studio. I was like, I think she does sound like that. It's really, really good. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm very excited about this. I, I, I've been telling people about this podcast that I'm so excited to record. This is something like I've never done before mm -hmm. and uh, doing it in this form. Uh, but I think uh, in order to give people a little context, we have to figure out how this, this little origin story of this uh, superhero character that I see in front of me, how did this all start? Like, where, where, is your, mm -hmm. where did your passion for, for all of this start? Well, it's kind of a, uh, a strange story because uh, my love for having a virtual avatar and my love for VR both started kind of separate. And they kind of naturally found themselves like wounding up together. So I figured out about these virtual avatars when one of my favorite fashion brands called Cloma um, decided to release a virtual line of fashion for these avatars. And I was like, wow, this is so awesome. My favorite brand's making virtual clothing. I want to have an avatar so that I can wear the virtual clothing. I think that'd be so cool. So I decided to go make my first model. And once I kind of got this model, I was like, okay, now what do I do with it? And one of the things that I found out about was VR chat. Um, and VR, oh, I am so sorry. That's all right. All right, let me get that fixed. But VR chat was this way, like, way that you can express your virtual avatars and um, kind of explore these virtual worlds using your virtual self. And I got really excited about that. And I decided, okay, like, I want to actually try this out and see what um, all these virtual worlds are and, you know, kind of experience it firsthand. So then I decided to go ahead and get my first headset, which is what I got for Christmas later that year. So okay. that was all barely over a year ago now. Um, so <laughs> wow. not very long. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of just jumped right into it and I decided, you know what? I'm going to combine this thing with this virtual avatar and then my passion and love for VR that I newly discovered and then create content and make a YouTube channel where I just talk about it nonstop. And so that's kind of where um, the love kind of sprouted from. But it, I mean, it must have, I mean, you jumped right into technology. You're, you're I mean, I've, I've been following your, your, your YouTube, which is really great. And you really get into the technology mm -hmm. of this a lot and get you know, down the rabbit hole of everything you want to do. So mm -hmm. what I think is really interesting is that you have a goal for yourself and then you do it and then you show other people how to do it. <laughs> right? Definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, so what, why, why, to, how did you get involved in technology? Like how did you just dive into it? Since this is not an obvious thing. You have to have something that obviously, did you just self learn everything on your own or did you, did you go into this saying, this is what I want to do for, for, I mean, what, what, what drove this in some ways? Um, well, a lot of like the technology, as long as far as it comes to like having a virtual avatar and stuff, mm -hmm. that stuff was not readily available for me at all. Finding like tutorial vids were barely like non-existent. Um, right. Finding like online articles and just stuff about it, it was so different still. And it was mainly um, in Japan where this kind of stuff was focused. So there wasn't a whole lot of information that was in English. So for me, trying to learn how to do it all. It was a lot of just jumping into it myself and trying to figure things out. And of course, you know, I ran into tons of errors and, um, you know, things going wrong, of course. But right. I spent a lot of time figuring it out because I was excited about it. And then after I figured it out, I was like, you know what? I want to be the person to make the videos that I wish that I had when I was trying to learn all this. So that's kind of why I jumped into all that different stuff. Right. Okay. Well, this is really interesting because, uh, well, you know, the way I'm trying to, and I'm trying to to, to, to wrap my hand around it and, and, and not to say that it's foreign or anything else. It, it actually makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. I have a young daughter and she's really into anime and really into cosplay as a lot mm -hmm. of young girls are uh, and, and some boys as well. But it's really kind of a great culture and, and, and I've been watching a lot of anime with her, which has been a lot of fun to sort of get into that with her as well. Mm -hmm. That feels like it's a really, really interesting thing that you can do. Does this feel to you like it's, a, like it's an evolution of, of cosplay in some way? You're cr creating a different character of yourself and doing all of that in, in, in some ways? 
yeah, in a way, I like to tell people that I loved anime so much that I became one is kind of the joke <laughs> that I like to throw out there. <laughs> so I've obviously, I, I've always loved Japanese culture and anime um, and all those types of things very passionately. Um, and I, I would say for me, it kind of is an extension of being like, hey, like I've always loved this type of stuff. Now I can kind of insert myself into it and kind of feel like I've become one with it. And so by having a virtual avatar, I get to feel like myself reflected in those types of worlds. And so when I see my body, you know, I think of my anime self as like a version of myself. So it's really cool to be fully integrated into those things that I've always loved growing up. Okay, that's 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 really cool. I want to get down to the philosophy of what that, what that all means, but let's at least for the people who are listening, let's go through like the, if, if you're willing to go through the long rabbit hole of the progress of how to, what the steps you had to do to get to become the person you are. So let's start with, obviously you had an idea. I want to be an avatar and I want to be in VR. So how right. did that work for you? Well, it started off. So I use this program called Vroid. And I went in and I actually created my avatar. So it gives you like a base and I like to compare it to The Sims. You get an avatar, like an anime base. And then you can go in and customize all the textures and customize the hair by drawing it like strand by strand and all this kind of stuff. So I really wanted it to be a reflection of me. So I created this avatar and then I got a Rift S. So with my Rift S, I was then able to try out some different programs like VRChat. And what I'm using right now is a program called VirtualCast. And I'm able to use this type of format of a virtual reality model, a .vrm model, and use different applications where I am able to use this. Right. So that's kind of how it started. And then it kind of spread out into a whole bunch of different types of programs that I use and different technologies. So what I'm using right now is a Valve Index. Mm -hmm. I have finger tracking and then I have full body tracking. So I have trackers on my waist and on Mm my um, feet. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to explore these virtual environments with my whole body. And um, the other thing that I do is I just do regular, like what they call it as like VTubing programs. So Mm -hmm. virtual YouTubing. And Mm -hmm. for those, I actually will use my webcam. So I'll have a webcam while I'm sitting at my desktop playing different video games and stuff. And then I have a leap motion, which is this um, little device that tracks your hands. So Mm -hmm. I can hold my hands up and like wave at the people when they join my streams. And they can also express emotion with different hotkeys and stuff. So there's a lot of different ways to do what I'm doing. Um, but it all is essentially trying to get the same outcome, I feel like. Okay. So your your facial tracking is just your webcam tracking you in in a way, right? Um, yeah. So for my like uh webcam like streams when I do those, yeah. um it is tracked by my by my camera. And so my different faces and stuff that I make, like when I'm blinking, it tracks my blinking. When I'm talking, it can track my talking. Um, right. so just stuff like that. Well, this is pretty cool. So a lot of these tools seem like they were, you know, kind of out of the box tools that you hodgepodge together and got them to work the way you wanted to do in some mm-hmm. ways, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, that, well, that's okay. So, so that's a very interesting idea as well. So now, now that you've sort of, uh, uh, and by the way, we got we should we should note that you got introduced to us through Sally Slade, right? Mm-hmm. Sally was very interested. So how did what's your connection with Sally? How did that uh, happen? Well, we connected in a women in XR group chat that Joanna Popper created. Hmm. Um, And so that's just a hodgepodge of really wonderful women who all work in the XR industry in some type of way. And Sally was there and she actually recognized me in my YouTube channel. She already had been watching and following some of my content because she's interested in doing VTubing stuff herself. Yep. Um, And so we kind of connected and bonded over our similar love. And so we hopped on a call one day and just kind of started chatting and talking about why we love XR and VR and VTubing and we just bonded super super hard over all those different things that's great that's great now do, let me do you do you do you see yourself as two different identities in some ways as you as you're as or or do you sort of or do you want to see that uh, how do you how do you see that in terms of your, your persona in some ways um I honestly the way that I kind of feel um is that my virtual body and my physical body are both equal representations of myself. I don't really necessarily feel like I identify with more like one or the other because they're both mediums of which I get to um, experience different worlds. So I do really value my virtual body and I do think it's an extension of myself. um, Just like, (laughs) and it's kind of weirder, you know, to imagine like somebody else using my avatar because it would be like watching somebody else in your own body in real life. And that would be a very like (laughs) disorienting feeling. (laughs) Right, Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just super connected to this. And it, it's kind of hard to imagine myself without having a virtual body at this point. I like I like being both. It, it's fun. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So, 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 tell us a little bit about your 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 VTube channel. So, what what's what's going on there? What are you guys? What are you talking about on that area? And what what kind of things can people learn from you? Yeah. So, my channel is called Fia. It was formerly known as the Virtual Reality Show, and mm-hmm. I still run the Virtual Reality Show, which is a series that I do where we talk about any and all topics related to VR from Mm -hmm. inside of VR. So I present information like I'm doing to you right now from inside Mm -hmm. of this virtual cast studio. Mm -hmm. And then I talk about all of these different VR topics. So some different things that I cover are like technology and I'll do like hardware discussion, like the new facial tracker that just came out from HTC is a cool thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'll also touch on more like lifestyle or philosophical kind of um, topics. Like uh, one that I covered that I thought was really cool was about Phantom Touch which is a phenomena where people will see um, like touch or have someone come up and touch them in VR. And then Mm -hmm. they'll feel that in real life, like a little tingly sensation, like that'll be mirrored onto their real life body. And so things like that, I just cover so many different topics and it just ranges from um, basically anything you could imagine. Well, it's interesting. So I actually thought I was just thinking about phantom touch because I I experienced long before, long, long time ago at SIGGRAPH, probably 20 years ago. Or so there was a there was a thing that was basically a projector, it projected uh, uh, just a big white projector, and then your shadow would be mm-hmm. in front of the projector, so you would see your shadow, and your shadow became an avatar, and it would track the camera would track your shadow to see what it's doing, and then you would do this thing where mm-hmm. you put your arm out like this, and butterflies would be land on your shadow, right? Oh wow! As an idea, That's so and cool. it was it was really cool. Again, it's just a shadow and it's projecting butterflies from the computer, right? Mm-hmm. Complete phantom touch. Like I felt like tickles down my arm that were not there. That wow. was really so I'm wondering like how does that work? As actually, you know, what explain that one for me, because I'm just gonna go down this rabbit hole if that's okay. <laughs> No, you're fine. Yeah. No. So what we kind of um, figured out from my videos, I did a survey. So I did some actual like research with my audience and said like, hey, like what kind of phantom touch have you guys experienced it? And what is it like for you? Mm -hmm. And kind of what it came down to is that it's a type of synesthesia. Um, that people will get. So with synesthesia, it's when two of your senses are kind of connecting in a way that they normally wouldn't. And so it it comes down to having the sight and touch connection where seeing things kind of tricks your brain into thinking that they're real in a way, which is something that's also, you know, a whole topic in virtual reality. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also something that I think is really cool that you'd find interesting is called like the rubber hand experiment. Have you heard of that before? No, go ahead. (laughs) Okay, so the rubber hand experiment is really, really fascinating. So what it is, is that you'll have like a a, a subject, okay? So you have your test subject who is going to put out their arm and there's going to be a curtain that hides their arm. And then on the other side where they can actually visually see is a rubber arm. And so the real arm is hidden, but they can see this rubber arm where their hand should be. And Mm -hmm. then somebody comes with um, a little brush And then they brush both hands at the same time. They brush the real one that can't be seen and they brush the rubber one that can be. And they brush them at the same time. And then the person will actually feel the sensation on the rubber hand and not their real hand. So they'll see it on the rubber one and feel like Mm -hmm. their hand is right there. And um, it's just a really fascinating look into the mind and how perception can really be um, a type of reality for you. Because seeing can be believing in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, that that is that is fascinating. I think that you know you know fan, phantom touch is an interesting idea. What it is because also the thing that's interesting also is people try so many different ways in VR to simulate things when you can just let them happen by perception instead of by reality in some ways, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so, so that's really, really cool. Uh, you also, you know, you, uh, some of the other subjects, like you said, you do talk about, uh, uh, VR quite a bit and, and the technology there, but you also talk about some of the, um, some of the con- controversial things that are going on in terms of avatars and what that meant. I mean, I, I know you did a whole section. We don't have to get too much into it, but in terms of uh, like cam girls and things of that nature, virtual w- w- things, because mm-hmm. I got very interested. I was approached by uh, one of the guys uh, many years ago. I did a bunch of things on digital humans. I've done some research in that area, and I've sort of started the, mm-hmm. the WikiHuman project as a, as a project I did. And I was approached by some guy who was talking about, uh, who was one of the guys who started Little Michaela. I'm sure you're familiar with Little Michaela. Oh, yeah, definitely. So what are your feelings about that in that area of virtual characters, rep- you know, being represented and and uh, uh, used as real characters when other people are putting themselves out there in real characters and the controversy that's going on there. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely a bit um, of a touchy subject for certain people where they don't like um, virtual characters having this kind of social influence and being like, hey, this isn't even a real person. And now they're being able to sell us products and, you know, <laughs> doing all these different types of branding and people don't seem to like that. But um, at least in my opinion, I think it's a really progressive and interesting thing. I don't think it's inherently bad or inherently good. I think it's just a different way of approaching um you know, social influence. And definitely kind of like you mentioned before, my very first video on my channel was about Project Melody, who's this virtual cam girl. And mm -hmm. that was where um, a lot of women really got upset because this virtual avatar was able to um, gather this large um, audience of people in this industry. And while other women may be like showing themselves in this more like exposing way and where they have to put themselves kind of on the line and, you know, there's a bit of a risk that's involved with it. And hiding right. behind an avatar doesn't necessarily involve that risk. And so um, people were quite upset about that. So personally, I think it's a really great thing that if people don't necessarily feel comfortable with themselves, you know, having an avatar is a really good way to cope with that. Um, but there's other various reasons that you could use a virtual avatar as well. And it doesn't have to be uh, a hiding thing. It can be a really empowering thing as well, in my opinion. Well, give us some examples of that. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. So at least in my case, I love showing my virtual avatar, um, mm -hmm. but I also like having like my real face shown. And the way that I kind of go about it is that I like to see my virtual avatar as an extension of myself, I think I, I mentioned before. And so yeah. in that sense, I'm not using my avatar to hide behind. Um, I'm actually showing my face. And there's, you know, plenty of other VTubers who are quite similar as well. Um, and then something that's kind of interesting that I'd like to point out too, is that people will do kind of the opposite as me and they'll actually use an avatar to express a part of themselves that they can't express in real life. And so mm -hmm. they find that as a really empowering thing. Like one of my really good friends who's a VTuber, his name is Foxy Joel mm -hmm. and Foxy Joel, um, uses a VTuber avatar. That's, um, a marionette doll. That's a female. Mm -hmm. And so you hear this like manly voice coming out and he's quite humorous with the way he does it. So you see, you see this, you know, beautiful woman avatar and then coming out of it is this really deep manly voice and, and it's absolutely hilarious, but it's an extension of himself because he loves drawing those types of characters. He loves creating these different, like interesting, like um, monster girls is what he calls them. And so then he gets to inherit, like inhabit one of those himself and kind of express himself in that way. And so I think there's a lot of different, um, really good things that can come out of having a virtual avatar. Yes. Uh, so there's also been some talk about, uh, you know, th this has been discussed for a uh, long time, and uh, I'm, I'm, more familiar, I'm wondering if you're doing it, but there's people who have uh, specifically, the best example I can keep, sorry, going ranting. The best example I've come <laughs> up with is someone who gave, came up with the study, especially in VR and with avatars, uh, as a means of people with postpartum, uh, uh, not postpartum, with uh, 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 um PTSD, uh, specifically, then yeah. uh, how they're able to communicate uh, because of there's a layer that's put a veneer that's put in front of them that allows them to separate themselves. Do, have you gone into that a little bit? Have you looked into some of those ideas of what an avatar can do? Um, I haven't jumped into those ideas specifically with PTSD and stuff before, which is great, you know, content ideas right there alone. Um, <laughs> But something kind of on a similar vein that I've I've kind of experienced and saw firsthand is a lot of people who, um, when it comes to like sexuality um, mm -hmm. and gender, they, they can really feel a lot more comfortable in themselves being in a like female avatar, for example, if that's the body that they feel more comfortable in. And so I feel like stuff like that is a really good example in how like... Um, using VR as a tool to kind of experience this other world where you can kind of feel comfortable and happy with yourself. Um, and I feel like it's quite similar to that and finding kind of a safe place is what I'd say is that VR can be a really safe place for people to um, feel comfortable and not, you know, have any kind of social pressure or, or problems like uh, the PTSD might cause. Right. That's, that's interesting. Uh, you're right. I think that there's definitely ways that you, you can have alter egos, really, basically, is what you're talking about in a lot of ways, yeah. which I think is a very safe place to do it uh, um, and, and to, to experiment as well. I mean, you may not necessarily want to be that person, but at least you can try it out and see what it's like, right? Mm -hmm. do you do you, have you changed your avatar much since you started or do you continue? I mean, besides, obviously, you can change your clothing. That's something that's easier to right, do. Right, but right. You, but, but you're... But your the way that your avatar looks, do you change it? Do you change the look, change the hair color, change the uh, the dimensions or any of that nature? Um, not my main avatar, which is this one. I try to keep it pretty true to my image and be something that's recognizable, especially when it comes to my personal branding. I want it to um, 
kind of be something that people can recognize. So I haven't dabbled in that quite yet. But when I'm actually playing in VR and I'm actually doing VR games, I don't use this avatar quite as much when I'm doing some personal like leisure time. Um, Like me and my boyfriend, we have like matching couples avatars, which are these cute little anime guys with, you know, fluffy little ears and stuff. And we'll use those um, as we like um, traverse this virtual world because it's something that's kind of casual and different. And I don't necessarily feel like it's me. I get to kind of explore being someone else for a bit. So um, I have explored those types of things. But as far as like my actual main avatar goes, I, I'm going to try and keep it the same for at least a little while longer. Well, that's really, that's, that's cool. I think that's interesting that you have, you know, uh, a, 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 well, you have a closet full of avatars in a sense. So you can basically mm-hmm. say, all right, well, I'm going to put out this character now <laughs> and I'm going to put out this character now or, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going, you know, I'm going to play this game. So it's appropriate to wear this character. It's like a different outfit that you're wearing in some ways. Um, that's what, what is the, what has been the feedback for, uh, from what you've been doing so far? Oh, pretty much completely positive. Um, I've had a few different comments about like, oh, like this is weird and stuff like that. But for the most part, um, most people are very, very accepting of it and very encouraging, especially um, on my account. I've just had nothing but positive reinforcement on just my content and what I'm doing and my tutorial videos. And people just seem so excited about VTubing and making their own avatars. And I love helping them and getting to see firsthand that I get to inspire them um, into doing what they want to do. And so it's a really cool experience. I think so. Yeah, that is that's that's great. That's great. Now you mentioned you mentioned VR. Obviously, VR and VTubing they're a little bit different. So a lot of people right, right now are experiencing you uh, on YouTube, which is not necessarily in VR. You're just a character on there, right? But are you doing live streams as well in, in that area? Yeah, so my main two platforms is that I do YouTube videos and then I also stream on Twitch three times a week. So um, when I'm actually doing virtual YouTube content, that is like one whole side of me. And then when I'm, you know, casually playing video games with my friends, that is kind of a different um, vibe that I go for. It's a little more casual, I'd say. And you do that on Twitch? Yes, that is on Twitch. Okay, so 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 for your YouTube, your YouTube stuff is much more sort of passive stuff. You've your edited videos, instructional video, telling you people what to do, et cetera, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, and then Twitch. So Twitch is an interesting thing because I think that's obviously becoming a, a way way more popular these days, and people doing that. Mm-hmm. So how long? What, what? First of all, let's find out what's your Twitch channel so that people can follow you on Twitch. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> the, the subtle <laughs> plug. <laughs> Mine is Fia Bunny. So P H I A, and then the word Bunny afterwards. So that is uh, nice. my name is Fia. You know, bunnies I like them. So that's kind of right. <laughs> how that came to be. And what what can people watch you do on uh, on on the Twitch channel? Are you playing games mostly, or? Yeah, I mostly play games. Um, so I'll do different things like Minecraft, and I'll play games with viewers like Jackbox. Um, but I'll also do like VR chat streams, which is kind of the main thing that I like to do, where I'll kind of just chat with my audience and kind of have an exchange back and forth. Maybe explore some different cool worlds that we found. Um, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the main thing that I like to do is have the VR interaction with my audience. So you do that in VR. So you're able to go into VR and do your entire Twitch. Uh, mm-hmm. you can see what's going on from VR. That's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty cool. Uh, well, that's, that's, that's great. And you're just, just, uh, just for, to make sure we're consistent on it. So on your YouTube is the virtual reality show, right? Is that the name of um, it? I just changed my handle like, <laughs> like a week ago. Okay. <laughs> It is to just Fia now. But if you look up the virtual reality show, you're going to find my content regardless. So, Okay. Okay. That's really cool. Uh, well, tell us some of the other subjects that I think that, 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 that you've been covering because I think there's, there's stuff that I really like to, to share with the audience in terms of like uh, feedback or, or t- challenges or things that where do you think things are going to go in the future, like those types of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's a lot of different things. So um, I've been focusing a lot on tech lately. I have a whole bunch of new tech that I'm kind of trying out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got new trackers that, you know, for full body tracking. Um, there's the HTC facial tracker that I'm working on. Um, there's also something called the Decamove, which is a locomotion device that I just got. So I have a whole bunch of things I'm going to be making for, you know, upcoming content. Um, right. Some interesting video topics that I've covered before that people might find interesting is I did a video about like psychedelics in VR and kind of how those interact with each other okay <laughs> um, i've also done stuff about like um how we could possibly use vr to like live forever and eternal life and kind of you know the whole like matrix brain in a vat kind of topics mm-hmm. which are really cool 
Um, so things like that. One that I did recently too was I did a video with my boyfriend about what it's like to have a VR relationship because he lives in England. I live in Florida and mm-hmm. we have not been able to meet yet because we started dating at the beginning of COVID. And so we are a VR chat couple. We spend our time in VR chat. We go on dates in VR chat and we spend all this time together. Um, and so I, I talk a lot about kind of the social interactions that you can have and how it's a replacement for reality in, in that kind of way. Yeah. How does that, how did how do you, how did you feel about that? I mean, honestly speaking, I think people are going to say, well, that's not reality or whatever, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But how, tell, tell us a little bit about the relationships you have with people online in that way. And especially as you, especially yeah. since you're making your own persona online as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, my online relationships and my VR relationships are very, very strong at this point. Um, so I actually moved this past summer to live with my grandparents in Florida. I used to live in Missouri before this and mm-hmm. moving during COVID um, and I'm not in school. I'm doing, you know, YouTube and Twitch full time. So not being in school and not having a job that's, you know, out with other people and then also moving means that I have no friends here where I live. No, like, you know, <laughs> I hang out with old people, basically, you know, my grandma right. and her friends. So I don't have any um, people my age. And then same, like I mentioned before, my boyfriend lives in England, and so I can't visit him right now because of the travel restrictions and stuff like that. So my relationships and all my best friends are fully virtual right now. And having VR as a way to actually spend time with my friends is incredibly, like, it's something that you can't even explain to people who haven't tried VR. Because when you're in these moments and you see another person there and your brain is literally being tricked into thinking that what's around you in these virtual environments is real. That's kind of Mm -hmm. the point of VR is it's tricking your brain into thinking you're somewhere else. And when you have things like directional audio and you hear somebody's voice coming from across the room and you see their body movements as they, you know, dance around or uh, or talking to you and hearing and experiencing those people it satisfies that social need that you kind of have and so obviously it's not a replacement for real life or real relationships and I don't want to ever encourage VR over any of that Um, but I think it's a way to either enhance relationships you already have by exploring cool different worlds together or break, branch the distance between you and your friends who maybe, you know, I have friends who live in Australia. And so being able to spend time with them and see their body language and movements and, you know, have conversations one-on-one in that virtual immersive way is a really, really special um, thing that you can't really, you know, there's no other way online to experience it. I think it's interesting you say that. And I, so just, just to be clear, you said you started to get into VR and stuff about a year ago, right? Yeah, I I jumped into VR Christmas of 2019, so you know a year and like four months. So right as the pandemic is going on. <laughs> yes, just, just right. About, yeah, right. So then. I I think this is now that I really put this in context, as I realize like. I first of all, because we've all been sort of isolated in our own little worlds, right? Mm-hmm. I have been making like having Zoom calls with old friends who I haven't talked to in years. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I feel like, oh, well, since I can't go out and meet my friends, I'm going to meet other friends who I haven't talked to in forever. And so that is kind of an interesting thing. So what's interesting is you took it to the next level. You are literally just saying, since I can't go out and meet people, I'm going to create a new space where we can meet virtually in some ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And you basically are in the metaverse in some ways. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We are right at the beginnings of there being an actual metaverse. I think it's a really exciting time. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Um, what is your What are your thoughts on the metaverse and where do you think that's going to go down the line? <laughs> well, that's a whole can of worms. We can take that very, very far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs> There's a lot go. of things that could be said. Uh-huh. Um Obviously, the, the I think like the ultimate end of the metaverse, this kind of like what it could possibly go all the way to is this kind of um, second universe that we are able to create. And I think that's kind of the scary part of the metaverse that gets a lot of people kind of nervous about it is this idea that eventually we'll abandon reality because a virtual reality is better. Um, but I think we have a long, long, long way to go before any of that happens. And so the metaverse, I think, for for quite a while will just be this kind of escape that we have from um, real life and has all the kind of um, benefits that I mentioned before. But also, obviously, there's the draws of neglection. Um, you know, I've seen my VR friends neglect their real lives for sure because there's pros and cons to it. Um, but it's something that I'm personally very, very excited about. 
to be able to experience life in this very imaginative um in unlimited way the where where you don't have restrictions like you know um like the laws of just our world you know you can have zero gravity if you want and that that's something that you can experience there's nothing tying you down yeah for sure but you mentioned you mentioned uh you know uh uh no not not sort of tethering back to reality in any ways are there mm-hmm. safeguards that can be put in place to identify people who may necessarily be neglecting their physical physical selves in some ways or their you know the reality around them uh, for that world and there's there safeguards that can be put in place in the metaverse to make sure that that body and mind is also nourished in a real way yeah I'm not sure exactly what the the answer to that would be because um, it really comes down to how far you know in the line we are because things like if we if we eventually had like Neuralink for example and you're able to do full die virtual reality where it all happens inside of your brain and you're able to create you know use a virtual body from inside of your brain then yeah there would definitely need to be some kind of safeguards to remind yourself like hey you need to get out of this and you need to sleep for you know eight hours and you mm-hmm. need to eat three times a day and you use the restroom and stuff like that because I'm sure that people totally forget those basic needs when they're too sucked into it. Um, But as of right now, I think it's pretty hard to kind of tell people to stop because what VR can be is definitely an addiction, just like anything else. Um, But VR for addictive personalities can be a real, real trouble. And I've seen it firsthand where people will get so sucked into their VR life that they'll start forgetting about their real life relationships and stuff like that. And so I think it's important to kind of um, normalize speaking out about, hey, VR is amazing and it's wonderful and I love it so much, but we have to do this in a balanced and healthy way. And so I think just kind of um, being open about that is is a really important um, thing here. Are there words for that in VR? Because that is always slang for different technologies to different reasons. It's like, is there a word like, you know, your safe place or how healthy you are on in the, on the outside world or something like that? Is there a vocabulary that's around this this idea? Um, not that I can think of. It's mostly just like uh, VR addicts, you know, <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> people <laughs> uh, saying like uh, they're far gone would be another thing that I hear quite often. Just being like they're they're far gone in VR at this Interesting. point. Just saying stuff like that. Now, okay, so I, I, now I, I don't necessarily think, you know, obviously you are a VR addict, although you definitely have a huge passion for it. But you did mention, <laughs> uh, you did mention that you're no, you're not in school, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. how, <laughs> uh, you're, you're successful, you're, you're successful enough to do what you're doing to be able to, you're making an income off of doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so that's great. That's great. Uh, but were you in school? Did you give up school? I mean, how did that, how did that go? Well, I got very lucky with kind of the way that things just kind of lined up for me Um, because I went to community college Mm -hmm. and I was on my final semester of year two. Mm -hmm. I'm about to get my associates when I discovered VR. And up until that point, I knew that I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, And my kind of, I kind of decided like, oh, I think I want to be an English teacher, maybe go teach English in Japan. And then I can experience like the Japanese culture that I've always loved and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. it was always kind of iffy, you know, kind of like, I don't know if I really want to be doing this. I just kind of am doing it to do it type of thing. And then all of a sudden I got to discover my passion, right? As I figured out VR, this is the one thing that I love. This is the thing that, you know, makes me want to stay up till 3 a.m. every single night. Um, Right. And and you've been thinking about this before. Were you thinking about this before or did it sort of like, like, what is this? Put it on. It's like, this is what I want to do. Yeah, no, literally, as soon as I put on a headset, I just at that moment decided this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Okay. Um, I had that very specific moment. And basically, I spent the next month trying to figure out like, hey, how do I incorporate VR into my life? Because I'm not somebody who has any developing experience or game engine experience or tech experience. Like, how am I going to jump into this? And I was like, well, the one thing that I do have is that I have my voice and I have my English and performing background. And I was like, well, maybe I can be a speaker and um, somebody who's spreads enthusiasm for VR. And so that's why I decided to make my YouTube channel was I wanted I wanted to make VR my life and my career. So once I did that, I ended up being like fairly successful on it. And so I decided to take the semester off instead of going to a four-year university after community college. And yep. I've just been growing and, you know, just getting to the point where I was like, you know, I think I can make this work. I think I can make a career out of that. And so that's kind of where I've been standing for the past year. Right, which is really cool. Uh, so you, but you did say you had a background in uh, voice or something of that nature, right? 
performing? Did uh, you yeah. Do acting? I did. <laughs> yes, I did acting in high school. I also did cheerleading. So both of those things take um, enthusiasm and stage presence. So I think that's uh, something that I've kind of developed over the years that really helps me. Yeah, yeah, because that's a personality. So you decided I have a lot of personality and I'm going to use that. So that's the skill that you brought to the mm-hmm. thing. So how challenging was it with, you know, like you said, like you didn't know, you didn't have a developer background, et cetera. So how challenging was it to say, how am I going to do this? How am I going to learn this stuff? Because you obviously jumped in. You're doing a lot of technology for someone who just picked it up a year ago. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I went in, you know, he- head first. I was like, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to spend all my time doing it. Um, but yeah, it definitely was kind of intimidating at first, I would say, just not knowing what I was doing and kind of being like not having any experience or history and just being like, I'm a VR baby. Like, I don't know anything about this. And I'm just trying to soak up as much information. I'm reading, I'm watching videos. I'm trying to just get it all inside of me and the the that was just the one thing that I felt like I could do was just talk about it and bring awareness to it and that's what I really wanted is like hey like I can maybe learn some of these skills over time where I can learn how to you know develop a VR world or maybe an experience for VR those are things that I can do in the long term but right now this is the thing I'm good at and this is what I'm going to focus on is um, spreading excitement and that's that's kind of the main message that I want my viewers to have is that I want my enthusiasm for VR to get them excited about VR and make them want to get a VR headset for the first time and feel no regrets in doing that. Okay. And uh, so, so if, if people want to go into that and dive into this, what are some of the things mm-hmm. they're going to need to get? Obviously you need to get which, what, what are your recommendations? Like I was like, Hey, Fia, you know what? I want to be able to hang out with you in VR. What do I need mm-hmm. to set myself up with? What, what, what are you going to, what are you going to recommend for people? Okay, so the best, like, an affordable setup that you can have right now is Mm -hmm. quite simple. So there's something called an Oculus Quest 2. And Mm -hmm. for those who aren't necessarily familiar with headsets, the, the, the way that this VR headset works is it's actually a standalone headset, which means that you don't actually need a computer to hook it up to. So you can use this headset completely all by itself, and it just works right out of the box. So I think that that is the most approachable way. It costs $300, you know, mm-hmm. same as a Nintendo Switch. It's becoming like the most sold headset, like crazy fast. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's wanting one of these things. And so getting your hands on one of those and just trying it out and seeing if you love it is the great first step. And then, you know, from there you can consider getting a gaming PC and then getting a link cable where you can connect it and play more games through that PC. You can then jump into maybe a higher level headset and you can get that full body tracking that I was talking about. It adds up super fast as far as the cost goes. But I think starting with that first um, Quest 2 headset is going to get you covered for quite a while. Okay. Well, so, so that's, that's a good, and that is a big step. So, cause we, we, I've covered VR quite a bit on this, on this podcast. And, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, it was like, it was all, first of all, prototypes that were just barely, barely right. products and lot, and you needed a very, very high end computer and a very high end graphics processor for it to do anything. Right. So I think what's interesting is that it's the Quest 2, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Quest 2 that became standalone, that that really sort of changed some of the stuff. Now, obviously, this is using a standalone processor, so the fidelity that you're getting is not going to be necessarily as high as some of the high-end games out there, right? Yeah, you are quite limited on your game library. Um, mm-hmm. The Oculus Store is what you're going to be using instead of using Steam. But mm-hmm. um, you're going to have the more expansive library and more computer power and more ability to do more stuff if you already have a gaming PC um, and you can just connect it with a cable. Then that's able to um, run more stuff. But, you know, it is quite limited to what it can do as a standalone headset. Right. Because a Quest 2 can connect and become basically a remote desk, a remote uh, 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 headset if it needs to be, right? Yeah. It's, you know, dual purpose. Right. Okay. Uh, which is really cool. Okay. So then that's how they're going to, that's going to get into, uh, into the, the world and, and, and doing those types of things. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that, I mean, you, you, is there, I mean, the first thing I'm thinking about, obviously when I made, the more you, I talk to you, the more I'm thinking about my, my kids have been watching Ready Player One for a long time. Right. So the more I've been thinking about this, the more I've been thinking, it's like, this sounds a lot like Ready Player One in some ways. Is that, do you feel that there's something that's going to be happening in that area that's, that like, is there some reality to Ready Player One that you feel that's going to happen in the future? 
Oh, definitely. And it's already starting to happen, too. Things like haptic suits, like full body suits are in development right now. And although the basic consumer can't get to them, um, they are going to become readily available within the next, you know, five years, perhaps. And seeing things like that coming to fruition is really exciting because constantly there's developments in VR, constantly. And the things that we're seeing um, develop at this rapid rate, we, we just get closer and closer to this Ready Player One um, like idea that we've kind of um, had for a while now. And things like I mentioned, like the face tracking coming out is a huge, big advancement. Um, and being able to show emotion and expression inside of VR is going to be amazing. It really comes down to just the adaptation of the applications, mm-hmm. I feel, is going to be the main thing that kind of holds us back as far as progression goes towards that future. Because we're going to need more of the games be able to pick up these types of technologies before they're actually going to become usable, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I'm also like, there. it also seems a little bit like there, it seems like someone's going to have to make a metaverse of some kind that <laughs> is going to be more unified for things to all happen together. Because right. it seems like it's going to be a little, do you think that's going to happen? And where do you think that's when, where do you think that's going to happen? Um, I definitely think that there is going to end up being one main social platform that kind of rules the rules the school, if <laughs> I could say that. Um, right. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to happen. Um, I would doubt that any of the social platforms that are out right now are going to end up being the ones that are the metaverse. Okay. Um, I would expect I- something else to kind of come within the next, um, you know, 10 years per se, maybe by a big company as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Facebook really picks up something and tries to push as well. Well, we just mentioned, you know, obviously the, the Oculus is made by Facebook, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think there's a coincidence there. Right? No, definitely not. <laughs> they're, they're placing their eggs in that basket. Yeah, exactly. But you see, what's interesting is that Facebook is not necessarily seen as one of the super progressive social networks out there. It's seen as an aging ne- network in some ways, right. uh, which not necessarily a, a bad or, or thing or et cetera. But uh, so do you think there's going to be the, that are sort of planning you know, to just leapfrog and just say, okay, from now on, everyone is going to meet us in the VR space now in this area here. And it's Facebook isn't just for, you know, sharing posters with your, or pictures with your grandma. (laughs) Yeah, no, they definitely want to expand into the VR site hard. And we're seeing that um, right Mm -hmm. now because they're pushing VR like incredibly hard. I know Mark Zuckerberg is a really big VR enthusiast himself. It's something that he really loves. Um, And there's things like Facebook Horizon, which is coming out. And that is going to be a social platform, kind of like VR chat, where instead you connect your Facebook account and you create an avatar and then you connect with other Facebook users in that way. And so I think what you've kind of been saying is something that's totally going to happen. Um, it's just more of a matter of whether or not people like Facebook enough that they're actually going to pick it up <laughs> is the right, main concern. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, that is interesting because I, obviously people people are having issues with with social networks in in a lot of ways. I mean mm-hmm. they're they're under government scrutiny right now. They're being interviewed by Congress about all the gathering information. And, right. and when you are in VR, you are giving up even more of your personality and allowing social networks to get into that information about you because you're literally living inside of it in some ways. Do you feel right. there's dangers in that area? Yeah, the the biggest thing is definitely when it comes to privacy Mm -hmm. um, in in selling your data. In VR, that's going to be a lot riskier and you're going to have to be aware of that in the future as we go forward is that companies may use your personal like body functions as data, you know, like they can track your eyes and what you're looking at. Um, and see where where are you looking on the screen where can we place advertisements where you're going to be looking you know things like that where it is going i I mean it's kind of inevitable because business is kind of what runs the world um and seeing that as this kind of it, it is quite scary but right now we're not at that point and i think it'll be a while before they can kind of get away with those things anyways because um you know, people are kind of pushing back at those advancements already, um, speaking out against Facebook a lot and what the, you know, what they can, you know, can do. So right. I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure what the, what the future is totally going to look like, but I definitely do think that there are pretty major concerns for that. So, so you are at the forefront of some of these things. You're obviously at the forefront of your VR character and your VR chats and all of those things that are happening in that area. Do you feel that that community now, because that, that, like you said, it hasn't happened yet because it's too young 
and too right. new. Do you feel that you have an opportunity now to try to stop that from happening as an advocate for this area and say, hey, you know what? We need some some bylaws in our metaverse that allows us uh, us uh, this amount of privacy or my choo- choices that I make in terms of what you can and can't get out of me. Yeah, I think the biggest thing when it comes to that is kind of supporting um, smaller VR companies. And because right now it, it it's pretty much run by like Facebook and HTC and Valve, right? There's three main headsets right. that you can get. Right. Um, but we're also seeing some other headsets come out like the Pimax and then the Deca Gear that's um, supposed to be come out later this year and things like that. Um, I think by supporting some of these other VR companies and getting growing them like their own platforms um, is going to help prevent some of these other kind of data privacy type issues that we might see with bigger companies like Facebook, where they're more pressured into um, those kind of activities to begin with. And so having more like privately owned kind of VR is where I think the safety is really going to come from. So I would definitely encourage people who don't like Facebook or don't want to support Facebook going towards other headsets and supporting those instead and helping grow those companies is going to be a move that you can make to to do that. All right, so just put your your dollars where you want them to be going. Yeah. Through, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's a pretty 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 good uh, way of thinking about it as well. What about what about you know we we are in a uh, you know the way that you described your experience inside of VR world sounds really really pleasant, which is obviously the the whole idea that you're trying to to do do that. We are obviously living in some extremely difficult. Uh, times uh, where there's mm-hmm. a lot of the division of thoughts <laughs> around there. What do you think about the politics that are happening inside? Is there political uh, uh, feelings? And I don't mean just, you know, different minded people that are getting together in VR. Do you experience that or is there basically like, nope, I'm in a room where I am only with people that I agree with in some ways? Um, When it comes to that type of stuff, VR is definitely kind of you get to kind of decide what kind of experience you want to have in it. Mm -hmm. You can decide if you want to keep it only with a close group of friends and experience only hanging out with people you already know or maybe friends of friends. Um, Or you can go to completely public worlds and go see, you know, (laughs) there might be kids screaming in your ears, but, you know, that's what you're going to see and talk to anybody you could ever imagine. And so I I think at least in my case, I often get thrown into places where I have a lot of mutual friends, like friends of friends and kind of, bigger experiences like something that I like to do is go to like VR music shows or club nights and going to those there's quite a lot of different people who show up kind of anybody is welcome but it is kind of the core group of people who stick around there and Mm -hmm. so I definitely would say there's a lot of different types of faces who come to these events but everybody is generally like amicable because we all have one thing that's bonding us together which is VR okay okay that's good to know but I'm gonna get you know if you go on YouTube, right, you go to YouTube mm-hmm. comments, there's some really horrible things that people say that I don't think they would say in real life. They just be able, they feel that they can anonymously put themselves out there and say they say things that are just ridiculous, right. right, and offensive and all those other things. In VR, there's a certain level of veneer that you can put over yourself because you're an avatar. Do you right. do you do you experience that or because you're actually interacting with someone, there's a level of social behavior that's better moderated than let's say a youtube commenter um i think it's honestly both to be honest yeah um there's certain people where because we're in vr and we're having a more realistic kind of face-to-face conversation um it feels a little more genuine than having like an internet conversation or a texting conversation it is Mm -hmm. more um personal than that but at the same time like i mentioned before you might go to a world where kids are screaming in your ears and people are you know dropping all this you know these phrases they should not be saying just for you know the shock value um and it, it definitely is possible to be like harassed and um you know have people kind of troll you in vr just like it would be in um any other part of the internet it's more so about you choosing what kind of places you want to put your energy and time into and then, you know, spending more time with those types of people. Right, right. That's interesting because there's a lot of emotional things that are happening as well. I mean, you mentioned earlier, like being able to to show expressions in in VR as well, right? We always get cues from ourselves based on, on our facial expressions. I'm terrible sometimes at my facial expressions because I am transparent about how I feel, even though I'd be looking at you and I'm trying <laughs> not to say something. I might you can mm-hmm. read my expression a lot in terms of how I feel. 
um, and I don't have control over that. But you gain control over your expression by using VR. So did you, you I think you might have mentioned that you use hotkeys to have certain expressions, right? Yeah, so definitely. Um, when I'm at my webcam, I have hotkeys on my mouse um, with mm -hmm. my different buttons on my mouse. But when I'm here inside a virtual cast, I actually have like a little wheel where I can scroll through different emotions and kind of match them to <laughs> oh, whatever I feel is appropriate, you know, <laughs> like all smiley and stuff. Right. Um, in VR chat, what you do is you have different gestures. So if I'm pointing, that might be like the happy expression. Or if I'm doing like rock and roll, well, maybe that's angry expression. And so things okay. are mapped that way. So right now, um, that's the most common way that we're seeing facial expressions being expressed is through. They're basically um, emojis in a lot of choosing. ways. Yeah, like emojis. You get to choose to make it happen or to not happen. Right. Um, but face tracking as it's coming out is going to be something that's more... Um, more common scene with eye tracking that, you know, there's only one headset right now that does eye tracking, but there's going to be more and more coming out this year okay. where they actually will track where you're looking. And so people inside of VR are going to see like, hey, are you looking at me? Or are you looking at this object or where, you know, there's going right. to be that kind of expression coming as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. What, what are your ambitions? What are your, now, you know, you've gotten this far, you've, it's been just over a year, right? You've, and you've, you've made a following. Right. How many followers do you yeah. <laughs> do you have? If that's okay, can I if I can ask that? Yeah. No. 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 Currently on um, YouTube, I'm sitting at eighty four thousand. So I'm on my road to hundred thousand subscribers. Is the big goal. Yeah. And um, on Twitch, I believe I just hit thirteen and a half uh, thousand followers. Wow. Which is awesome. pretty exciting for there as well. And so that's kind of where my two main audiences are. Yeah, and a Twitch audience, from what everything I've heard, a Twitch audience is far more engaging than a YouTube audience mm -hmm. is yeah. in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. It's a lot more involved. People become a lot more attached to your content um, and to you as a person because they actually get to have interaction, which is something that you don't really have in a YouTube comment section. But in a Twitch chat, you know, I might actually respond to what you're saying in real time. And, you know, if you make a funny joke, you know, I'm laughing at it. And then you're like, yes, like <laughs> I made her right. laugh, you know, and you have that um, connection immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I believe it or not, I have my own uh, Twitch that I do. I have mm -hmm. a, a, another podcast that we do uh, that I do with my, my friends about movies and we do it on Twitch because we're able to mm -hmm. interact with our audience a lot better that way. It's kind of feel, it feels like we're doing a podcast in front of a live audience, which is kind of a fun thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. Well, that's, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Uh, I'm very, I'm very, I, I find it really exciting uh, what you're doing. Uh, what do you, what do you think, what do you think you want to go from this? You obviously you mentioned you want to get to a hundred thousand followers, but there's gotta be more. What's your big goal? What's your other ambitions that you feel you wanted to be able to do in <laughs> VR? Yeah. So I have some pretty big goals. Absolutely. Um, ultimately what I see for myself and what I see for the future is having the virtual reality show turn into not being just a YouTube series, but an actual VR entertainment network. So just how we have like radio stations or TV stations or things like that, I would absolutely be thrilled to see a VR network, something that where you can watch videos or watch, you know, different things or interact with content in a fully virtual way. And so that is my like final ambition is that I want to kind of lead this movement towards virtual entertainment and kind of create this um, new type of, um, you know, this, this new type of interacting with entertainment and having it follow you around or um, be something that's easily accessible while you're in the virtual world. And so that's kind of the um, end goals to grow and expand and have so many people on the team. And, you know, the virtual reality show just be this group effort of so many people just being excited about VR together. Okay. So you want to make your own network, your own broadcast network. Yeah, I would love that. That is, that is the ultimate goal. <laughs> that is pretty big goal. That's a really <laughs> big goal, uh, which is a really cool one. I've never heard of someone's like, I just want to make my own network and broadcast it and do it all in VR. Mm -hmm. How? How are you going to do that? What's your, what's, what are you going to – I mean, you've figured out this much in a year, so I'm sure you're going to figure it out a lot, quite a bit as you go. What, what, what are some of the things that you need to do to get there? Um, well, some of the things that I would definitely um, kind of help. So I, I kind of have like some different steps. So the short term goals, which are still long term goals, but the short term out of the long term goals would be to grow my channel into being like a multimedia network where I have different kinds of creators creating different types, of, you know, have like a news channel, um, the TV show kind of content, you know, funny skits and 
um, you know, the technology side. So having all these different people kind of lead these different VR movements and then taking that and then creating some kind of VR application that would intertwine with all VR applications, if that makes sense. So like here in VR, I have something called OVR Toolkit, and mm-hmm. it's this little thing that sits on my wrist, and then I can like tap it, and I can bring up a desktop anywhere I want. And that works in every single VR application because it's a VR overlay. And so I would love to see something like that where you could almost pull out like a VR phone, for example, and then be able to click on a video and then watch it while you're in VR or connect with someone in the virtual reality show network and make a connection there and then maybe like hang out together in VR and you know different things like that. Um, I would love to have something like that developed and get a team together who would be enthusiastic about that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you feel, do you feel that the, uh, the, uh, the pandemic itself may have put, put in, uh, you know, help people think like, oh, I can live inside this virtual world or some way. Or do you feel that once the pandemic starts to go away, people are just not going to want to go on a computer anymore for a little bit? <laughs> no, I think our world is going to be definitely changed after this. Um, people are now kind of seeing the power of the internet for the first time because it isn't as scary of a thing when it's your only way to interact with people, you know, when right. you kind of have no choice but to be like, all right, I'm going to do school online and this is how I'm going to interact now. Um, and seeing stuff like that really opens up a lot of doors and possibilities. And so I'm pretty excited um, to see how many people have become um, who have joined VR because of the pandemic um, for that reason alone. And, you know, wanted something to do and wanted to experience these virtual worlds. And now they're going to stick with it for years to come. And I think it's only going to grow and grow and grow even after all this is over. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting where it goes. I think you have a very interesting perspective on this future. I am, I, first of all, I'm very impressed about how far you've gotten in a year just doing, <laughs> Thank you. you know, not knowing anything about this and just sort of saying, this is what mm-hmm. I want to do. Uh, I, I am reminded uh, of the story uh, of my, uh, my good friend, Kevin Mack, who is also, he's a VR artist, by the way. He does a lot of art in VR. Mm. He does incredible work. Uh, he, said he was when he was a little kid he's 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 about my he was a couple probably about 10 years older than me but he uh he had a he had a a, a um what's it called um uh what's the 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 headset the thing that you would when you were a kid and you put it in and you had a stereo image um why am i blanking on the like name a virtual it? boy like one of the old no 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 way before that uh this mm, is okay. uh, this this is with a little wheel with two pictures and you basically put it on and you saw a stereo image um oh yeah i know what you're talking about i don't know what those are called exactly but yeah <laughs> yeah i totally I, I know what you're talking about but he said he he was like three years old when he when he found one of those at his daycare center mm-hmm. and uh he said that uh he's like the, i don't know what this is but this is mine from now on and so oh. he, <laughs> so i think that's that so he, sweet oh my god <laughs> and so i was like and so he took it like they're like okay he's never gonna let this go he can take it home uh Mm -hmm. but uh, i think that's really what got him into vr and understanding what that is and that's a really fascinating uh fascinating journey of 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 what that is so i would love to connect you with kevin i think kevin is a really interesting guy i think you guys would have uh some great conversations uh he's a fantastic uh artist as well uh he does really cool art uh, he used to work in a visual effects field. He won an Oscar for a film called What Dreams May Come, which is also kind of a, a weird uh, psycho <laughs> psychedelic <laughs> film in some ways. That's awesome. Uh, and he also worked on uh, Fight Club and a bunch of other really great films. So he's oh, a really wow, cool yeah. person. Uh, but yeah, you, the art, art and VR and creativity, it sounds like you're being really creative. This is another thing that's another medium for you to be creative in. So I mm-hmm. find it really fascinating and I'm really I'm glad to, to, to hear that. I very curious how far you go with your with your network and uh, those ideas uh are do you need if uh, do you want to i mean we can reach out is there people that you want to talk to in terms of this area is it like what what kind of area where do you want to go with that because if you know obviously if you want to reach out to people i have a lot of people on this on this uh podcast that may be interested in figuring out how they can help you with that yeah, no, if people want to reach out, that'd be great. Um, I'll plug my, my management email real quick, which would be alex at the virtual reality dot show. Um, uh-huh. So if anybody's interested in working with me and helping out as far as like development wise, that would be incredible. I would love to kind of start getting my foot in the door. The, the plan has always been to grow my personal brand first. 
mm-hmm. um, and expand that. And then maybe the financials for something um, more in-depth development-wise will kind of come after that. Um, but obviously, the sooner I can kind of get started, the more we can kind of grow with the technology. So if there are people who are interested in what I'm doing and want to um, you know, support that vision, then please feel free to reach out and uh, we can kind of talk more about how we can maybe get started on some of these ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you started with someone named Sally Slade and that's a good place. <laughs> I got to tell you. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> so uh, she's really cool. I am so glad that uh, she connected us and that she suggested that you come on to the, to, the, to, the, to the podcast. I'm also really glad that we were able to do this as your virtual character and to see that <laughs> because uh, I usually didn't, when I did, when I did these pot before the pandemic, uh, I only did podcasts in person. That was my thing. Like, it's like, I'm wow. only going to do it in person. And I traveled all over the world. And so I used to go to events all over the world and do podcasts everywhere I went. But I also only did them in audio, so there was no pressure and it was easier technology. And so it mm-hmm. wasn't until the pandemic here it does like, I need to be able to do this in some other ways. And uh, so I found this this platform to do it. And uh, this is like the best thing because now this really makes, people should watch this podcast and not hear it only because I yeah. think it's a really good thing even though your audio is excellent as I said before so thank you thank you thank you uh, so so thank you so much Fia for doing this I really appreciate you uh, being on and being able to be a uh, part of uh, this and good luck with your very very ambitious uh-huh. and very exciting goals thank you it means a whole lot to me I really honored to have been here today and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me and my story and getting to bond over some really cool topics it was really fun so thank you very much 